All right. Hey, welcome back. This is episode five of the Epic Epoch podcast. I'm your host, Perry the Pig. And with me is my co-host. Dread from Epic Builds. That's not a bad intro out there. I kind of like there it. There you go. We are getting, getting raids there. all over the place here on Twitch. But remember, if you're watching us on YouTube or on Spotify or on any other podcast platform, be sure to leave a comment there or even just drop by Twitch at twitch.tv slash Pig or slash epochbuilds underscore YT and let us know where you're watching this podcast and how you're enjoying it. Maybe there's something that's on your mind that we could talk about here as well. So with that said, we are right smack in the middle of patch 085D, which means that we've had stability up the wazoo, more stability than we even know what to do with. We've had stability nerfed slightly, but it's still very fast. We have keys flowing. The keys have been uh, have been rebalanced so that they're now dropping from bosses. So we're now able to do our, our end game dungeon stuff. And the game's in a pretty good spot, but there's not there's not too much new stuff going on right now. Because a lot of those new unique items are still locked behind content that we're kind of having trouble getting to. So I guess before we jump into our big topic for today, we're going to talk about build strength and the different things that that means to us. Before we talk about that, Dread, what have you been up to? What are you doing in Last Epoch these days? Uh, the last thing that I have done since the last episode is I've been working on making Projectile Necromancer 2.0. It was a Projectile Necromancer is pretty much a build where you just play skeleton archers and mages and you just try to puke out as many projectiles as possible to make up for the fact of the bad AI or like, well, they're a lot better now, by the way, since the last time we played that, but the AI is like way better now. But you pretty much the idea is you puke so many projectiles that you clear the whole screen and you move on. And that like makes your clear speed so much better with uh, skeletons and stuff. And that build recently got a gigantic buff with the offhand called Lich's Scorn that allows you to pretty much just make cold minions. Like, to be honest, it's like just the cold minion item at this point. The reason why that build kind of suffered before that point was because the after the Dreadshade nerfs, and since skeletons haven't really gotten touched since, like, Empowered Monoliths became a thing, they were kind of power crept out of the game, so to say. They weren't changed in a way, and they just felt bad for Empowered content because they weren't designed around that because they had been in the game for multiple years now. So it's like, they just weren't good enough for that. They just didn't have damage. And then as soon as they released that offhand, bam, now it's T4 Drill viable, and I'm so happy with it. And other than that, I've been playing a lot of Slormancer, which I won't talk about much because this is not a Slormancer podcast. It's a last Epoch one. <laughs> it's, it's funny that you mentioned the Lich's Scorn. It it kind of addresses one of those problems that happens with melee builds and bow builds from time to time in last Epoch, where you finally get to have all of your damage as one type so that you can take advantage of, you know, percentage increase cold damage or cold penetration or cold shred instead of having split damage types. Instead of having, like, Fizz and then, like, another 60% of my damage is cold over here. Yeah, the only thing I have to say about Lich's Scorn that I have a problem with, per se, is the fact that, like, it kinda is now the only way of playing cold minions. Like, if you want to play cold minions in any way, it's, like, the way to play them. And I also don't like the fact that it's locked to just Dreadshade builds. Like, for instance, like, I could very well see it being utilized in, like, a, a like a Stormcrow build if it just said cold pen per intelligence for your minions. That mm -hmm. would be really good for Stormcrows and stuff like that. And also, another thing is, I don't like the fact that the whole archetype is locked behind, like, 
an offhand, but it's not that bad because it's kind of easy to get. Because like, what, it's what a is it about drop. like being like an offhand? Are you like contrasting that to using a shield instead, or what's your issue with it? Oh no, no. I mean, just in general, just having it exist to be mm. the only way that you can play this. Like for instance, like if I think of cold necromancer, like cold mini necromancer, I think of that offhand because. Ideally, it's the best way of playing it now. It's like there's no other way of playing it at this point. Like, it's the only way of dealing damage with the cold damage. And that's fine as long as we get, like, some that help with, like, fire damage like we do with the Dragonfire Edict and stuff like that. And another reason why I like it is because I like these kind of uniques that don't really... Like, they don't make a build come out of nowhere like this didn't make projectile necromancer into a build right it just made it so that it had enough damage for empowered so it's kind of just like your one-stop shop of going from like when you get to empowered you're like okay let me go farm my lich's scorn and then now i can do empowered content and if that's how they want to go ahead and fix these skills that don't work because they don't deal enough damage i'm okay with that somewhat it's kind of like the threshold jewel kind of thing in path mm-hmm. of excel what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, <laughs> it's funny that you bring up the Threshold Jewel. That was the first thing I was going to say as well. So Threshold Jewels in Path of Exile, like I guess for those of you who don't know, there was a long track record uh, that I, I think I think Path of Exile's moved beyond this at this point. But for a Mostly. while there, they were like fixing old skills by introducing new cool uh, Threshold Jewels that basically just added attacks to your build. Like you can't play Fireball unless you use Rolling Flames. You can't play Frostbolt unless you use two of this threshold jewel over here so i think they moved away from that at this point but for a long time it was an issue and i didn't like that at all so i guess one of my questions is like i've got a couple thousand hours in path of exile here when uh normal skeleton archers get buffed when they become modernized is that going to become like the new op build because we already have like mages which are good we have the offhand that's good and it's kind of dragging archers along with it uh well, as long as wraiths don't get hit too hard, they're still going to be like the best build in terms of necromancer. So are this so is messed just up. making it like yeah, it's just. But the thing is, it's like the thing is now now the build is just viable. Like the like the skeletons are just viable. But the thing as well is when they do rework them, they're probably going to have lich's scorn in mind. Like when they first made skeletons they didn't have lich's scorn in mind but now that if they go back and rework lich's scorn i mean rework uh, skeletons they'll have lich's scorn in mind so that i want to i want to say one more word on this topic before we move on to what we're actually talking about today but you mentioned (laughs) uh you mentioned trying to use this uh this new offhand lich's scorn as a primalist maybe buffing up the cold damage from your crows or something and having having an item that's like maybe 70 maybe even 75 80 percent You know, this is the primary use of this item, but then you can kind of backdoor this item into a different mastery, into this like weird build over here. I love that. When items can't be used in that way, I think it's a failure. So when you're pointing out Lich's scorn, like you just take off the word Dreadshade and you say like cold damage per intelligence or cold penetration per intelligence. Awesome. I would like that change a lot. Yeah, and it would more lead to the way of how we like set items to be like we've been talking about how like they're powerful enough on their own, but then they become very interesting when they're combined, which I think this set does really well at, by the way. But the idea is you'd have the Infernal Shade cold damage per stay, but then, of course, the 
cold pen for minions just exists, and that would make it actually usable in a lot of different builds at that point. Yeah, just pigeonholed a little bit less. Like I, I, I want to feel like my brain is big. I don't, I don't want you to tell me <laughs> my brain is big. I want to figure it out myself. All right, so with that, we got we got a handful of topics that we want to talk about today. And so we said that this podcast is all about build strength, and there's a couple uh, forum posts and Reddit posts which have been the inspiration for what we're talking about today. So the first big topic for us is AFK builds. And this is kind of a humorous post. I'm not sure if, if this is something that was meant in jest or whether this person was serious, but it got you and I talking. So we're talking about builds that play themselves. Yeah, this this Reddit post, uh, the old, like I'm not actually reading this Reddit post, not because like, don't get me wrong, the meme is funny and I'm going to link it down <laughs> in the chat here. The, the post is funny. Don't get me wrong. My thing is you see that it has like, 69 comments nice but like uh a lot of these comments are really passionate about this topic and i actually ended up making a video about this reddit uh reddit thread and then i had to delete it because of like some editing issues but i had a lot a lot of comments a lot of passionate comments about this topic so even if you and i don't care about this it seems like it's a, a lot of people care about this and there's a few reasons for that. So when uh, we say AFK build, like what what are we talking about? Are we are we saying like like a minion build is an AFK build? Like I can walk away from the computer? Uh, so AFK isn't necessarily like actually away from the computer or whatever. Like people would think, it's more like builds that play themselves. So like for instance, like Path of Exile is a good example here because there's a lot of builds in Path of Exile that play like that. Like um. Uh, like the old kind of like BV builds where you like play like the Herald BV, try Herald BV. You could like play like RF before like you play like, yeah, RF pretty much. Stuff that just works as you walk through the map. Like Aberath's Hooves is a perfect example. So Aberath Hooves in Path of Exile is a pair of boots that as you walk around, you deal like elemental damage and you're able to proc that. And it, like that will proc a bunch of other different things that will clear the map for you. So as you just move around in game, it will clear the content for you. And that's pretty much like the idea with an AFK build, a build where you don't have to actually use your skills. You just simply run from point A to point B and your build does everything for you. So you can like watch Netflix or you can like watch YouTube videos, hopefully mine and like stuff like that. And that's, not necessarily the kind of energy that Last Epoch and the developers are trying to manifest in Last Epoch, right? So it's a very like sensitive topic because it's like, well, at the same time, we want we want people to have player agency. We want them to be able to make their own builds and stuff. But at the same time, they don't want their vision of the game to be lost. And we've seen nerfs because of this mm -hmm. with like specifically the static or nerf, you know, or like this build isn't strong, but it doesn't go with our ideology of the game. So we're going to change it. And that was as close to like an AFK build, like Poison Lich as well as another reference. Right. So let's let's get some context here. What is well, let, let's talk about like the, like maybe the most AFK build that we can reference. So people know what we're talking about. And then like what's what's maybe like the least AFK build? In last so the most AFK build we've ever had ever, uh, Arborist season chat. It's a poison lich by Arborist. Pretty much the idea is you use your wandering spirits 
and they will go around and they will poison things and they'll appear near you. And they're pretty much like little minions, but they count towards your stats. It's it's really weird. But the idea is they shoot out little darts, they poison enemies, and as you move through the map, they'd kill things for you. So all you had to do was just worry about, one, keeping your... Uh, your Reaper form and your Judge Shade up, and walking through the map and maybe, like, shooting something that's, like, a single target or using your Spirit Plague or something like that. And that was a very strong build. Like, it went all the way up to 1,000 Corruption. It was really easy to play, and it was much faster than all the other <clears throat> counterparts because you didn't have to spend forever hacking at a boss or you didn't have to spend forever hacking at a rare, like, rare minion. Like, they would just die because Wandering Spirits just did that much damage. And that's as close as we've gotten to an AFK build. All right, so what's what's the most active build? What what build out there requires like, the most button clicking, the most kiting, you're using all five of your skills as often as possible? A racing strike, definitely. Uh, what do you say <laughs> that? A racing strike comes. So the idea with the racing strike is you get a lot of buffs. Mainly, you get to auto crit with your next racing strike when you use Void Cleave. And then use your Void Cleave, use your Racing Strike. And the benefit, the like the the reward for doing so, is like a really big hit with like screen-wide clear, pretty much. But you do have to do a lot of button pushing. You kind of have to like dance around and not die while you're trying to set this up and stuff like that. Because standing still sucks. So all of that combined leads you to actually having a really active playstyle. But of course it's rewarding. But it's definitely nothing like Poison Lich where you just mindlessly walk through the game and kill everything i i feel like i'm, I'm treading on dangerous water of, of uh of, of getting our entire podcast off topic but if i bring up the word boss damage reduction it really diminishes how good it feels to play like one big hit bonky builds with a bunch of setup they don't oh, yeah. scale well in last epoch at all yeah it's sad to like do a three million hit on the dummy and watch it like only chunk like a tenth of the boss's health because yeah. of boss dr so we're not going to go too much into it but mm -hmm. we, we can talk about this later if you're uh if you're willing to drop by the stream or maybe you know your stream as well but basically what happens in last epoch is bosses get damage reduction based on how much damage you're chunking them for so a bunch of small hits tends to do more damage than one big hit so it's not quite as rewarding as you might think it is and whether or not if it actually does more damage or not the psychological part where you just spend all this time going like this one big hit like this big punch and it just hit, hits like a noodle or at least it looks like it hits like a noodle and you're sad mm, it's not not quite as big as you want it to be so let's talk about num locking stuff so we know a little bit from uh, the developers in the past they talked about num locking to the developers to ehg represents a maybe like a, a, a design failure on their part where if the most uh if, if the best strategy for any given skill is just to cast it on cooldown as often as possible, then you're not really making a, an important gameplay decision about that. So numlocking. So for me, I don't have numlock on my computer. When I say numlock, I'm just taking my finger and I'm holding down Q for the next couple hours. But basically numlock is like, you know, it's just like the old Diablo thing. Like you hit numlock, you use the skill, you take numlock off, and your character's auto-casting something for as long as you're on your PC. So where does, where does numlocking fall into this? Or is numlocking fall into this? Yeah, well, for auto, for, uh, sorry, for, for FK builds. Well, 
I mean, Poison Lich was that because you could numblock your wandering spirits and not care because the duration and the cooldown were the same. And as you cast your wandering spirits, they would overlap. So you just want to be casting it as much as possible, right? Mm -hmm. And they got rid of that by just making wandering spirits useless. But then, of course, they buffed it recently with like a hidden change, which I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I don't want to get into that because that's a whole different topic. And then, of course, Maelstrom is another good example of what they did to fix that. Was they removed the instant cast portion from it and then gave it kind of like an unleash system. Where you cast it, you cast like, you know, a few extra ones per time, but you don't cast it all the time. And it ended up feeling better than the instant cast version, which is And you're talking, about, you're talking about like unleash from Path of Exile, right? Yeah, Unleashed okay. from Path of Exile. So the idea is you sit for like a few seconds, you don't cast Maelstrom, and then you cast it, and then it casts it like four times for you. Mm -hmm. And that is definitely a good way of fixing the the auto-cast thing. It, it kind it, of feels like the word recently. Like if you haven't cast yeah. it recently, you get like this extra buff from it. It's, it's kind of yeah. similar to, to a topic of conversation that I've been skirting around for a while on my own, which is like, uh, channeling builds, and, and more specifically, Warpath, which is Cyclone, which is Whirlwind, which is every game you've ever played, because everybody seems to put it in their games. So, you have these buffs in Last Epoch that are like Endurance while channeling, Armor, like almost a thousand armor, it's a ton, while <laughs> channeling, uh, All Resistance while channeling, and like, why would I, why would I put All Resistance while channeling on my character, except if I'm going to channel all the time? And then you kind of get this mono-dimensional playstyle, and that's kind of like an AFK build too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Warpath can definitely be very close to that, or at least the old versions of Warpath. Warpath now is definitely not like that because of Volatile Reversal being mm -hmm. such a integral part of it, sigils and all that. Warpath it may look AFK, but it is a very active playstyle, especially. Especially if you're playing it with like judgment or whatever, because keeping your buffs up is like mandatory to feeling good with it. Mm -hmm. So it's like you spend most of your time keeping your buffs up. So I mentioned I mentioned the recently thing that I like the change from Maelstrom. Like if you haven't cast it recently, you get to like multicast, kind of unleash from Path of Exile. I feel like just having the word recently in more places in Last Epoch might be a good idea. Like I would kind of like the idea of you know if you started channeling recently. You get this buff. You get a thousand armor. But if you're just holding down Warpath for the next 30 seconds, maybe that buff falls off over time. Yeah. And that would definitely benefit builds that are a lot more active in that regard. Now, the reason why I even brought up this uh, point was because there's actually kind of a controversial thing about it. Is the I got a lot of comments about this because I didn't reference it in the video. And the fact that there are some people, you know, that have you know, problems with their hands, you know, they have arthritis, you know, for thousands of hours of playing last and path of exile have killed your hands. And some people don't want to have to click all those times to play a build. And that brings up the question, should the game developers cater towards the people that have problems with that? Or do they want to keep their ideology of keeping the game active, right? And I, this is very soft eggshells like we're walking on because it could very well accidentally be really bad. But at the same time, I got like 40 different comments of people telling me that like the reason why they like these auto, you know, lazy builds because, you know, because they're, you know, arthritis or they're RSI or whatever. And 
that's a very good question of like should they cater towards that like because like that is a problem people have especially in the arpg genre like you know i'm sure you know this perry you've been playing path of exile for a long time before this why i don't play path of exile yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so but the thing is if we go away from this auto mentality or whatever right like this uh kind of build where it's kind of the lazy kind of builds you know like rf or whatever then it kind of makes it worse for them but what you just recently talked about the recently thing with like maelstrom maelstrom doesn't cause you problems anymore because you just cast it every so often you're not clicking like every second to like attack you're just clicking every so often and that helps a lot in that regard it's like a nice middle ground right instead of instead of clicking for every single monster i want to kill like this is one click this is one click this is one click i'm clicking once every four seconds and like that damage is going to continue during that duration yeah, I don't I don't mind that at all. I kind of like it. Someone in chat here live actually just said that they like having one uh one autocast build in or sorry, one autocast skill in all of their builds. And I actually kind of agree with that. So having five skills all together. So like are you are you really going to like right click and then QWER for every single monster or like for every like you have a, you have a main damage skill, a movement skill, a defensive skill, a single target skill? And then, like, what else do you have, right? So I, I would like some kind of buff. I don't, I don't mind having something that is autocast or having like one skill that I can unlock if I want to. So yeah, it's, it's kind of like auras. It's kind of like yeah. auras from PUE. You know, like you just put on an aura. It's better if I use holy aura as a paladin at the right moment, but it's really not that bad if I just unlock it. It's it's fine even if it's suboptimal, and I'm willing to take that hit as a player. I kind of like that. Yeah, and. This actually brings up the point of, uh, like, well, how many skills do you think we actually should be using to actually play the build? And I think, like, three is a good amount. And then fourth is your movement skill, like the one you just move. And then your fifth is, like, maybe some kind of, like, like big hitting skill or a utility skill. Now, the ideology right now, at least how Sentinel is set up, it seems like as though they want us to use, like, Vengeance or whatever, a bunch, and then use this one big hit skill, like, Forge Strike or whatever, and that's, like, your your finisher or whatever, or something like that. And that's, like, supposed to be your fifth skill. That's supposed to be your single target skill or your big hitting skill, yada, yada, yada. And, of course, like we were talking about earlier with the Erasing Strike thing, it's hard to make those skills actually do enough damage to be worth your time. So a lot of the time, people end up only building around one skill that does enough damage and then four supporting skills. And the Ignite Lich that I just played, the Ignite Hungering Souls Lich, is a perfect example of what what I'm talking about because you have a clear skill. You have, you know, of course, Infernal Shade is your clear skill. That's one skill. Then you have Hungering Souls. That's your single target skill. You can't use them both at the same time unless you're using, you know, death seal but whatever and then you have your you have your uh lich which is a movement skill you know of course reperform thank you very much reperform (laughs) reperform and then you have death seal and then your last skill is like transplant that's not on your bar because hungering souls wait what is it again Oh, no, no, no. You have zombies on your bar. That is your infernal shade. And you don't have infernal shade on your Mm -hmm. bar. And then you can have transplant. So you have two movement skills instead of just one. And I think that's the perfect example of a build that uses multiple skills to deal its damage that doesn't feel bad to play. 
what about I've, I've got something else that i want to bring up but what about like what about sork builds so when i play sork build i've got like static orb lightning blast because that's the only sork build that i play then i have my movement skill teleport i've got my defense flame ward that fifth skill i think it needs more options but i think that fifth skill is kind of in a good spot you can use it for mana in case you get in a sticky situation you can use focus you can you cc the enemies by using snap freeze you can try to work static into your build you could uh <laughs> you could technically use arcane ascendance if you like standing <laughs> yeah. still. i wish there were more options there i wish i weren't just choosing focus every single time but that fifth skill and how it's kind of flexible i think that feeling is in a good spot i i like what that feels like yeah yeah i i, I like that too and that leads into like a lot of different skills having different ways of utilizing them. Like, for instance, you can use Maelstrom for utility or for a single target. You never have that problem on Primalist because you have Maelstrom and Warcry and uh, Ice Thorns, I guess, technically. Well, 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 actually, when I play a Spriggan build, I feel terrible because I never have any skills to spec into. <laughs> Werebear gets swiped for free. Werebear gets Warcry for free. And then Warcry gives you Maelstrom for free. When I play Spriggan, I feel like I've got two skills that I'm happy about and three fluff skills that are just kind of filling in the garbage. <laughs> and I don't have a movement skill unless if uh... I waste a ring slot. <laughs> All right, so let's move past that for just a moment. While we're still on the topic of AFK builds, maybe like Numlock builds, we're kind of talking about minion builds too. What about, what do you think about proc skills versus skills that you actively use? And the thing that's on my mind first, so that I can just like, you know, let you figure out your response to this. I'm thinking about hammers and smite because hammers and smite, like you get to use this as a, as a sentinel, you like dash into a pack of enemies, all your smites go off instantly. And it feels really good, even though you're really only using one skill, that hammer skill. What do you think about proc skills? Um, I, I like them. Uh, I've seen, I've been doing some research into Grim Dawn because I've been wanting to play it a bit. And that's pretty much what Grim Dawn is, is proc skill after proc skill, yada, 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 like proc chains. And that's the same thing in Risk of Rain as well, if we're going to bring up proc chains, you know, like where you have a skill that procs a skill, that procs another skill, stuff like that. And I think how they currently have it is fine as long as it's something like the Icicle Bow, like Rain of Winter, I think is a good example where it's like you can't spec into the skill, but the skill does enough damage at base where you can scale it to do enough damage to use it. And the Dragon Song Bow is close to that. It just has a few problems in terms of just usability. And targeting, and then of course, sure. Yeah, the targeting. Like, if it just targeted, like, around you, like, it would be so fine. It would be, it'd be fine. But then you have skills like that where you have Hammer Throw that's triggering another skill. Like, you have Hammer Throw triggering Smite. And that's where it starts getting a little crazy because you have this skill tree with hammer throw, which has a lot of utility in it, has crit, increased damage and stuff like that. It shreds enemies, right? It gives you life on hit if you go spec into those nodes. Like it has a lot of utility. And since you're not using it for damage, you can use that utility. And then you have smite, which is your damage. And since you're not self-casting smite and you don't have to take all the bad self-casting nodes and all that, you can focus on the damage nodes and make it do as much damage as humanly possible, i.e. through devotion or through void knight vitality scaling. And, and like self-casting smite sucks. Like, let's, let's be real. Like self-casting smite sucks, right? Self-casting smite is 
probably an appropriate power level to the game, to be yeah. honest. Like that's, but that's, that's probably like about as much power as the players should yeah. have. But there yeah. are just like so many other things you can do instead. Yeah, and the thing, well, mainly smite is supposed to be your single target skill. Like you're supposed to be like this caster, use smite as your single target skill, and we kind of have that with a devouring orb. But there are better options, like like you said, with like abyssal echoes and stuff like that. But the problem is, paladin or the spellcasting variety of sentinel doesn't have anything that's like an AOE. They have like the the sigils of hope holy symbol thing where it like blows up but that's uh, bugged how dare you even bring that up we were we're not going to talk about dps sigils of hope on this stream <laughs> get out of here but yeah it, that, that's that's the problem is like might isn't supposed to be a clear skill but then you turn it into one with hammers right which is like insane right okay so is that so if, if we're talking about AFK builds and builds that only really click one button when they're doing their gameplay, is hammers an appropriate buttons to click ratio? Yeah, I, I think it is because not only do you have to keep up your sigils, use your reversal, use your holy aura, or if you're um or if you're uh you know avoid night, you keep up your anomaly. You have you have a movement skill, you move around, and it's not like, oh, I attack once and then the whole screen dies or something. It's like I have to attack a bunch of times in a fast succession. Like I walk up. It's kind of like BV if you didn't have Unleash. You just walk up to a pack, BV, bam, 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 bam. And then it's gone by the time you get to the next pack and then bam, 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 bam. I think that's fine. I think so, that's so the appropriate amount of effort. Yeah, we're not, we're not talking about like the strength of the skill. We're just talking about the buttons that you're clicking in a hammer, proc, smite situation. And yeah, yeah, I think I think I agree with you. You you are clicking a lot of buttons, so I think that's fine. Yeah, it's not like AFK by any like you, you can kind of mm. like drone out and like not focus on the game and stuff. And I think like you're not focusing it. because the build is strong because well, you're yeah, yeah 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 like but like with the hammer throw crit build, not the non spirally version. You have to aim. You have to kind of aim and stuff like that. Like there is a lot of effort you have to put into actually playing the build. It's not just like, you know, you click one button and then Wandering Spirits kills out everything on the screen. Like, you have to actually click buttons. And I think that's the appropriate amount of investment you need to do with a character. Yeah, you have if, to click buttons. Anything less than that is when it gets a little sketchy, right? Okay, okay. So I think I think we've said what we need to say about, like, AFK builds and kind of our thoughts on those. I, I do want to move on. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So I've got, I've got my second topic here. And this is... Uh, I guess this this is really close to a topic that you and I have both played very recently. And it's kind of like Ignite builds, which are kind of strong and kind of very weak at the same time. So the question is, how about starter builds versus high investment builds? So if this podcast is going to be about build strength, how about builds that start out really strong as opposed to builds that are really fun and very strong, but they only get to that point once you have all this gear in place? Uh, I think that Last Epoch is very close to making this work. The The biggest problem I find is, I actually talked about this when I was, like, playing Ghost Lore. It was nice to, like, because what happened with Ghost Lore is I, I chose a skill, right? I, like, I, I was given a few skills to start out with. I just chose that skill, and I was able to scale it right into endgame, all the way from the start to the end, if I wanted to, Right? And last epoch, it could be said that doesn't really have that. 
You know, like it used to not have that really hard. Like when when you played like Acolyte and you started out skeleton, and every Acolyte wanted to get rid of that skeleton as soon as possible and actually play a good skill. But now that you have the Lich's Scorn, it's not that bad. So that got removed. Like that's not a problem anymore. I'm trying to think of like a good example. Like Vengeance, I guess, is a good example. Speaking of uh, <laughs> the devil who raided us. Uh, speaking of Vengeance, but Vengeance is a good example now of a skill that you used to be able to take from level one, invest into it all the way to literal the t- like the tippy top of endgame, and that has been slowly whittled away to the point where it is now, where. Even if you want to play it, you're going to have to like have a really large buy-in to make it even close to usable in a way that is fun. Because, you know, we play these games for fun, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good example of, like, should that be the case where builds aren't good until you invest into them? Should there be builds that just are strong enough to get through the first few parts of the game to, like, the mid-end game and then kind of, like teeter-totter off, like, the skeletons, but then you can, like, buff into the more with Lich's Scorn. Like, should there be builds like that? Should there be builds that require a lot of investment to work, and you don't get to play them until you get that investment? Or then there's builds that you start out with no investment whatsoever, the skill kind of carries you a little bit, kind of like Old Spirit Plague, Mm -hmm. and then you could play a different build that requires investment, right? Mm -hmm. Like... This, this kind That's... of reminds me of something from like a different genre of game. And I want to I want to run this by you and see what you think about it. What are your thoughts on like weapon stability or like weapon durability in a game like Breath of the Wild, for example? So while you chew on that, weapon durability is like you need to like change the weapon that you're using if you want to you know continue dealing damage, right? So like you have a stick, you're going to hit an enemy with it. Eventually, the stick's going to break, and you need to find something else to use instead. So it kind of feels like vengeance in that same way, where like you have vengeance at the beginning of the game, you're going to use it until it falls off, and then you need to move on to something else. So there are people out there who don't like weapon uh, durability systems in games like Breath of the Wild because it feels like they want to use you know that one legendary sword that they just found, but they're almost punished for using it because they're going to have to move on to something that they don't like as much. So... Should all skills be viable in Endgame? Uh, no. Like, I mean, there, there's always going to be that power struggle where, like, some skills are worse than others. Like, look at Infernal Shade. It was bad all the way up until, like, in to be honest, it's still kind of bad. But, like, it's still, it's good enough now to actually play. But it's still bad. So it's like, I don't think that every skill needs to be good. I just think that if you're going to give a player the first skill they play with, you gotta you gotta always think of the fact that they might want to just play that skill and that skill only till the end. So either it might be they might have to like change when you get skills, like for instance, just give Sentinel Warpath as its first skill. It's like Warpath, you can play all the way through the campaign. It's Not a little slow. Yeah, I kind of like it. But you can play it all the way through anything. Or Hammer Throw, that's another good example. You can play Hammer Throw all the way through the game. And stuff like that. But then when you give them a skill like Vengeance that isn't going to be good until you invest into it later on. And it's like, well, but then it's like, well, you get given other skills. I'm like, yeah, but you got to remember, like, people are just going to play with that first stick they find in the first area and keep using said stick, you know. 
I don't I don't mind that recommendation at all. Making sure that the first skill that the player gets from the get go of the game is something that has a, a base level high enough where they can get somewhere. Like they have things they can spec into. They had avenues that they could farm, yeah. you know, get experience for, gear toward in order to make it playable later on. Yeah, like lightning blast is a good example. Oh, That's a, great a skill example. that like actually functions. It's just overshadowed by you know the big uh, cold glacier we have. <laughs> but like you can you can level with lightning blast and it'd be fine. It wouldn't be the most fun thing to ever do, but it would still work. You know, it's like leveling with warpath. War leveling with warpath isn't fun. It's a it's a slog because you got to upgrade your weapon and you're doing very little damage as a sentinel and it feels kind of bad in the early game but then as soon as you start unlocking those kind of different ways of playing it is like when it starts actually shining and lightning blast is of course the same way like you can play lightning blast with the the like the convergence you know mm -hmm. do, do a lot of single target damage and then of course you have like the way where you get the self chain on yourself get a lot of free crit chance and stuff like, there's ways of playing lightning blast other than convergence in the early game and you can like play lightning blast right but then of course like i said with skeletons that was bad up until the point they added lich's scorn and now it's like but then now like if you play warriors now now you're kind of in the like the like if you want to be like oh i want to play skeleton warriors mm -hmm. and then like you're in trouble again or the death knight is something that exists what, what uh, is that you can play death knights uh you can play death knights so what you do is you play death knights with uh rogues with the poison weapon and play poison minions but that's kind of a cop out to be honest <laughs> all right fair enough so uh, i mentioned at the beginning of this topic so this topic is starter builds versus high investment builds and things that maybe don't feel good early on, but feel spectacular later on. I'm gonna I'm gonna toss in um, one of I, I think is one of your favorite builds, one of mine as well, which is Ignite Warpath. Ignite Warpath is not a good starter build. It's like it's, <laughs> it'll it'll get there maybe, but it, it requires a lot of stuff. And every time that I think about building an Ignite Warpath character, I end up with a build planner or even my character that I'm playing in game right now. It's like it's all legendary items. And it's all all like two and three LP with insane affixes on them. And like, it's fine. It deals damage. It's good. It's not like the best build in the game, but I, I like the gearing process of it. Yeah, it's Gucci Paladin. It's just like, you just, you just use all the legendaries and now, bam, your build works now. And I, I think that's a perfect example of a build that like, is absolute garbage until you actually invest into it and then it like it starts to shine obviously it's carried by like the reversal stuff but like it that's every sentinel build at this point mm -hmm. and i think it's fine i i like that specific kind of like investment because you can't really accidentally walk into that you know what i mean like you can accidentally walk into like playing skeleton warriors and then uninstalling the game after you get to end game you can't accidentally walk into playing ignite warpath because the uniques you need you don't get unless you get lucky or whatever right mm -hmm. and maybe that's how they should go about things where like the gearing should be kind of you know like the gearing should be part of that decision process where like that's what makes things viable like the gear should make the build viable, not the skill itself. And that's, of course, another topic as well. It's, it's like you're reading my notes. I, I want to probe that topic a little bit more. So I wrote down in my notes, I said, how much how much does percent damage matter 
on your gear in Lost Depot. Uh, percentage this, damage. This, this is a big topic. Go ahead. If you're an Ignite build, it's very important. <laughs> I, I, okay. <laughs> Ignite builds are important because, first of all, it's not a particularly good ailment. Uh, when you're getting your gearing process up and running, you want to get as much uh, elemental damage over time as possible. So normally you have this like 40 to 60 percent increased damage range for tier five affix on a piece of gear and of course if you for some reason put percent increased elemental damage it's even lower than that for some reason uh but then increased elemental damage over time it's huge it's like double and sometimes triple the value that you can get for other types of percent increased damage and that way yeah i absolutely agree with you. those numbers are big yeah well this is also just uh like to talk about a build that doesn't care about increased damage whatsoever that still exists, and that is uh, Surf and Strike. Surf and Strike, or Surf and Strike, since everyone likes to say that I say it like that. Uh, Surf and Strike, it doesn't care about percentage damage because you care about attack speed and skilling the amount of stacks you get per second for all your dot, right? And that's a perfect example of a build that doesn't need gear. Like, you need gear in other ways, but you don't need percentage damage, mm -hmm. right? And it allows you to build your character in a much different way. And is that better than, like, a build that requires percentage increased damage? I would say no, because you're playing Surf and Strike. Because it's, like, it's fine because it's Surf and Strike, right? But let's, let's, let's pretend, like, like, for instance, let's say, like, a good build had that, like... Let's say like, like Elemental blade. Nova did that, oh. right? Every single time you cast Elemental Nova recently or whatever, or you dealt damage with it, let's let's just assume like Elemental Nova scales all of its increased damage just by being Elemental Nova. Would that be overpowered as all hell? Yes. Yes, it would be because Elemental Nova also does your clear, also does all this. It's very strong. And that means that you could focus on other stuff on your Sorcerer. And that's kind of the case with Sorcerer because they're idols, but still. It's, it's like... It's a it's a little OP. So it kind of reminds yeah. me of Spirit Plague. Before Spirit Plague was nerfed, it had two nodes that you could yeah, use for poison. What One was damage over time, one was poison. And they both said, you gain percent increased damage if you cast this recently. And one of the big issues is, it wasn't when you cast this. It was when you cast it or if it spreads to another enemy. And it can yeah. spread to multiple enemies at a time, even before it kills them. And you got thousands and thousands and thousands of percent increased damage without any effort at all you just click one button yeah. and pfft, right and that's when that's when the game starts breaking so <laughs> but serpent strike kind of does the same thing it doesn't have the spreading mechanism to it so you're yeah. actually right clicking in order to get this damage increase but it yeah. is percent increased damage over time and also percent increased poison damage for each attack that you've done in the past four yeah. seconds and the reason why it's bad in the terms of spirit plague and it's good or like i like to think it's healthy in terms of surf and strike is because it's not like you have to invest into attack speed and attack speed's hard to get like it's actually really hard to get like if you actually look down and look at all the sources of attack speed in the game it is very hard to actually get a lot of attack speed especially if your build that does not utilize wing guards yeah, because attack speed, attack speed, cast speed, and like almost mana regeneration yeah. seem to be these things that the you really just only can't get reason enough. you get any enough attack speed as a surf and strike builds because you're a beastmaster. Beastmaster gets like a hundred to two hundred percent increased attack speed for free. If you're trying to play surf and strike and like druid or something, a, a swarm blade, it's god awful, right? So it's like 
the only reason it works is because of Beastmaster, because you can get enough attack speed. So I think I'm fine with that in that regard, because instead of getting all this increased damage on your gear, you have to make sacrifices in other ways, i.e. getting an Exalted Spear with attack speed, getting an LP Wingguards with attack speed, you know, literally give, like using your entire mastery just to scale attack speed, right? Like, that's a, a big trade-off, in my opinion, versus like just putting increased damage on your gear, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty easy. Or attribute scaling and all that. So I... And attribute scaling, I, I think there's so much that last debug can do with attribute scaling. Mm-hmm. Anytime that there's something that attributes do instead of 4% increased damage. damage, it's awesome. It's so Well, cool. minion builds are a good example of this. I talked about this at length in one of my videos recently about the like the, the minion health attribute scaling stuff. Attributes on minions are, are insane because you get you get increased damage, you get base health, and you get the benefit of the actual attribute. So, like, you're triple dipping at that point. It, it, in the end, it's actually better to attribute stack than it is to just simply get, use increased damage. Like, you don't use minion increased damage anymore. The only kinds of minion increased damage you use are, like, minion increased damage over time on your weapon or minion damage over time, right? You don't use it on your prefixes. You use attributes to increase health because your Stormcrows keep dying, right? Like, you don't run increased minion damage. Like, there are not many builds that I know of of late that actually go out of their way, that are competitive, mind you, uh, that actually go out of their way to run just flat percentage increased damage on gear for minions. Like, they they don't do it because they don't need it because attributes are so strong. I'm, I'm, you, taking, I'm taking notes right now. So we got the Necromancer weekend that just started yeah. today, and I, I don't I don't play I mean, builds. if you're going to play with I'm the I'm going to build mine like that. Yeah. If you're going to build with, like, the offhand, yeah, you're definitely going to want to run intelligence because instead of triple dipping, you're quadra dipping. And then you run, like, the rip blood thing, then you're quintuple dipping. So it's like, well, actually six tuple dipping because you get the 5% in the tree and then you get the 4% on the implicit, right? So it's like, that's a good example of why increased damage isn't as powerful, at least for minions. Now, for other builds, right? Where do we normally see increased damage? Like, what builds are good, and where do they get their increased damage? I want to say rings, right? Idols. Idols. I'm so wrong. <laughs> I'm thinking well, about, idols. I'm thinking about yeah, weapons. Yeah, idols. Like, so, like, if I'm like, playing if a crit you... build, I want, like, spell crit, or, like, crit yeah. strike chance and crit multi. On my gloves, I want attack or cast speed. On my yeah. relic, maybe I get, like, plus levels of something. I, I was thinking like rings. Would You're be not wrong get... though. Rings are rings are a good place of getting increased damage as well because they're kind of like the last slots you fill out. But like idols as well, like you know, you saw it with the vengeance idols, the vengeance my idols. You got all your increased damage from that. Or um, what's another good example of increased damage? Sorcerer. Sorcerer yeah, he, gets a large amount yeah, of its increased over damage from its mana, idols. Sure, it's a lot of percent increased yeah, mana. Yeah, it's right. a lot of increased damage. You don't have to run that much increased damage on okay. sword because of that, and. So builds that have increased damage outside of the gearing process generally tend to be good builds unless you're playing Surf and Strike. So it's like, and that's why that Spirit Plague thing was so strong, was because it was a good skill that had infinitely scaling percentage damage on it that didn't have to run increased damage on its gear. So if, we, and, if, if we're talking about like starter builds versus high investment builds, mm-hmm. are, are these builds that have everything built into them are they only good up until a point, or are those also the high investment builds? Well, it's it's actually kind of a muddy, like, it, there's a lot, because it's like the Surf and Strike build 
yeah, you can start a surf and strike. You can do it. Like, it's good. And, of course, it scales right into endgame because you play Beastmaster and you get all this attack speed. Uh, but, like, other, like, Spirit Plague, Spirit Plague just did itself. Like, you you could play Spirit Plague whatever, and that was, like, a good starter build because Spirit Plague did itself, right? It, and it was also really good at endgame, not because of Spirit Plague. Like, Spirit Plague's great and all. It's, like, 500 corruption with, like, the intelligence stacking. But when you combine that with a skill that requires a lot of investment to get going, at least now, anyways, Wandering Spirits, that's where, like, you know, like... That's where it starts getting a little muddied, per se. Whenever I'm playing in these weekend tournaments, so th- these tournaments you start on Friday, they go three or four days, and I play them all in hardcore because I think hardcore and last debuff is really fun. When I'm playing these characters, if I pick a good skill, I don't need to worry about my prefixes at all. I get like mana regeneration so that my build functions early on. But like I want my resistances, I want my endurance, I want my crit avoidance i want my movement speed i want those kinds of things to get the build functional and if i pick a good skill my build's gonna get to 500 waves in the arena even if i don't have any percent increased damage scaling in my gear at all and that's I, just, I see you not yet. yeah <laughs> go ahead and that's that's because that that's mainly because of how arena works right because like in arena like it doesn't matter how long your push lasts it just matters that you don't die at the end of it right so damage isn't as important as just not dying because you can spend five minutes on that rare mob in the wave at 500 because you don't care. You, you As long as you don't die, you're happy. But in like the monolith of fate for like feeling good, like actually feeling good about your build, right? You definitely want the damage because like you just want to blaze past things, right? And I think that's part of it as well. It's just the mentality between, like, Arena versus, like, Monolith. Because, like, when I play a Monolith build, I get tanky enough to the point where I just don't instantly die when I get tapped. But then I go the rest of it into damage, and then I actually do build increased damage on my gear at that point. Because, you know, it's mandatory to start scaling. Because, like, most builds, are, or at least mine, anyways, they gravitate towards around 400 increased damage. Like, I don't know about you, Perry, but, like, that's about, like, where I stop. Unless it's a special case like Infernal Shade where you just need as much increased damage as humanly possible to make the skill function, right? Mm -hmm. And increased damage is something you get on your tree. Like, you just get it so sparingly that you don't actually need that much. And even if you need that much increased damage, you just build into that attribute and get the increased damage at the same time as you get the armor the dodge flat or the ward retention or the mana right like you just build into that attribute and then gain benefits from the attribute elsewhere like for instance a perfect example is uh builds that use javelin on uh like the the banner javelin you oh, build you into attunement, attunement. Scale, sure. yeah you build into attunement like manifest armor right you build into the banner right get you build attunement for your manifest armor to not die and then you get double that effect, and it's actually just straight up better. Javelin, than javelin damage. using holy, uh, sorry, javelin using the banner as like a fit yeah. skill in my build. It's the kind of thing that really makes me think about holy aura on a sentinel, I guess, on a paladin build, and then volatile reversal and sigils as well. Like those skills are so generically strong and non-intrusive. They're very easy to use. They give like tons of utility. And damage as well that you can't get in other places that's the kind of thing yeah. that i guess for me when i'm considering my characters as a paladin 
it pushes Javelin out. Javelin with Banner should be a skill that I consider using more often because it does a lot of stuff for you. But like those other skills, maybe those can be tuned down so that I could even consider using a skill like that. Yeah, why, well, the thing is, why use Javelin to gain, like, a, like let's say, like, 200% increased damage, right? Why use that when you could use Sigils and gain 120 and then get Armor Cap, too? And that's mainly why, is because all the other <clears throat> places where you get, in, like, all the other places where you get defenses and all that, they casually just give you damage, too. Like, Sigils gives you damage and armor, like... um I guess like reversal kind of gives you a little bit of defensive benefit because you can kind of like teleport away from boss hits and all that. But like the paladin tree, like you get a hundred percent increased physical lightning and fire for just existing, right? Like uh, unless you're a low life paladin, then you know then you have different problems. You know that, that uh, kind of it kind of reminds me of Path of Exile as well. Or sorry, yeah. As, as long as we're talking about this, so mm-hmm. one of the changes that happened toward the end of, of you know my playing Path of Exile was they took all the percent increased damage off of your ascendancy and then moved it in other places. So things like Trickster, for example, they used to get 50% increased damage, like 50% increased damage over time, just for specking the skill itself, or just for being a Trickster. And then they took that off. So like everyone's like, oh no, I got nerfed. It's really like you need to build for these things instead of just getting them free. I wonder whether that kind of thing might happen in Last Epoch someday. Where instead of I like, think it would like be you good. become a paladin and you're like, oh, here's 100% damage. Or like you become a necromancer, here's 50% damage. It's like, I didn't really do anything for this. You're just giving it to me. Yeah, and most builds, at least, I don't know like your opinion on this, but like most builds I play, like they gravitate around the 400% increased damage. So like the 100% you get as like a paladin, that's close enough. Or you, then you use Holy Aura, that's another like 60% or whatever or 100%. And then you use sigils. That's another 120. We're already three quarters of the way mm-hmm. of what I would call enough, right? So I need to start keeping track of that. this. I've never thought about that 400 number before. Yeah, well, that's just where all of my builds grab. Like, if you take my builds and put them in planners, like all of them, they will all gravitate around that number because that is about when increased damage starts becoming, you know, not good to run. Like, you can, like, run other stuff. Now, there are examples outside of this that, you know, like, for instance, you can easily get double that number, like with Void Knight. Void Knight's a perfect example of a class. Like, Melly Void Knight, like, or just Spellcaster Void Knight, I guess, because you can get increased Void Damage Idols on Echo. Like, you get all of your increased damage from everywhere else other than your gear. So that gives you the special ability of being able to just slam as much strength and vitality and, like, There's all defense. these good Give things. Give me a Bastion of Honor in there, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like... I don't need to run increased damage on my stuff so I can like run other stuff. And it's like, it's great. And but at the same time, bonus with the echoes is basically yeah. 40% more damage. Yes. 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 Every single day. Now the thing is though, some builds require more than that 400% increase. And those builds are generally the builds that lack those more percentage damage modifiers, right? Like infernal shade for reference required a lot of increased damage just to be viable because of the fact that it didn't have that much base damage scaling, yada, yada, yada. It just felt meh, right? So you needed to 
make up for that by getting a bunch of increased damage, which Lich is a perfect example. It's literally the mastery where you literally get only damage, and that's it's all so you get. <laughs> oh, sorry, like, you you said only damage. You also get uh, you also get armor and damage. I meant the passive tree. I meant the passive and- tree. Oh, we're I'm not at the passive tree. Okay. I'm not about the passive tree, not like the skills. The skills themselves, sure. I mean the passive tree, because like that's what we were talking about, the passive tree, right? <laughs> like Void Knight, well, passive tree and idols. Like for being an acolyte, you just get all of your damage in the tree as a lich. Take and that allows you to just ignore it on your gear and build other stuff. Okay, so we're we're not gonna talk about Death Seal. We'll leave that. I mean, Death concept. Seal. I mean, I mean, Death Seal just makes the problem <laughs> even worse because it not only gives you increased damage, it gives you more damage on top of that, which makes your increased damage modifiers better. Like, I, I don't know about you, like if you've seen like a Spirit Plague build from back in the day, like you know Poison Lich, they would get like thousands and thousands and thousands of increased damage, and it's just like at that point, it's so much overkill, it literally doesn't matter. Like building increased damage on your gear was completely worthless, and that's still the case with Lich specifically i love it Man, because the biggest, 60% the biggest problem on with that seal is just like it's so much fun to use yeah. too yeah well i mean they could keep it the way it is and just make it so it's not your only source of damage like to make all these bad skills competitive you know like i don't i don't want to give them ideas okay that's i don't please don't don't nerf that they don't, they don't need Deadseal. our ideas they'll 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 do they'll do it exactly <laughs> how they did it like they've been doing it it's like fine I, I, I want to move on to another topic here. So we talked about AFK builds and builds that kind of play themselves, numlocking stuff. We talked about starter builds and uh, maybe like high investment builds. What feels good from the beginning? What's the floor? What's the ceiling? For how much damage you get? I kind of want to shift for just a moment here. I want to talk about something that's ongoing. It's one of the social media <laughs> campaigns. Rat that, City! Uh, Rat City! <laughs> so this, this is a social media campaign that's going on with EHG right now. We are on the beginning of the third week of it and this is the community designed unique item so for each week we've been voting on uh like what class we want the primary intent of this community designed unique item to be what item slot do we want it to be and what do we want the theme to be so in case you haven't been keeping track we have got a post here in twitch chat if you're watching live but uh the first week we voted on mage i voted primalist but i was in the minority for the second week, we voted on having a two-handed spear. And then for the third week, the question is, what do we want the like the lore, the theme around the item to be? And I don't I don't want to uh brigade. I don't I don't want to tell you how to cast your That's vote. what we did last time, and we got spears at the top. That's- okay, I do want to brigade. I think having a rat city unique item would be just perfect that's what i want in the game well now we now now you can't make that complaint about like red city being so obscure and it's only one thing in the we should have named now we have two rat city radio (laughs) (laughs) oh no i mean they they said that they're just gonna call it the lost refuge whatever and that's fine as long as they have the the you know the the flavor text be rat city that's all i care about or maybe an allusion to rats somehow or what they didn't want to be called or I yeah, mean, like, what are you going to do with the spear, like a rat spear? Like, what are you going to do? Like a rat kebab? <laughs> like, I don't know what you're going to do. I, I, right, so, I feel bad for people who are going to make that unique. Like, how are we going to, like, fit this all in? We, as a community, we can do it. We got it. So my question is, if we got a mage, uh, so a, a mage two-handed spear themed around the Lost Refuge or Rat City, what what are you thinking when it comes to community design uniques? What what do you want to do with this? 
Don't say rat skewer. Don't say rat skewer. Oh, I'm I'm not going to say that. No, 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 no. Like, you can't actually do that because, like, Mage has very little support for minions. Now, you could could have, like, some some fizz stuff or maybe, like, some necrotic tie-in, maybe? A good, a good, what I want to happen is, you know, like, the clones from Mage? Like, the clones? Make it so that it's a spear that has adaptive damage on it. And it makes it so that you, like, cast either lightning blast or fireball from your clones with a percentage chance. Kind of like the thorn totems, but it would count as yours. It wouldn't count as the minions, right? Ooh, okay, okay. So it's like the Lost Refuge, those clones, and then they could reskin the clones, right? To, like, being, like, the Lost Refuge people because they're lost. And you're finding them by using teleport the clones, and they're the Lost Refuge. They're, like, in the lore... Is like the lost refuge got all shoved into the spear for some reason. Is like lost souls, and that's what you do. Like, and you as you teleport, they come out, and they're the, and then they cast abilities for you. At least when you cast like fireball or lightning blast, they cast it for you at like a forty percent chance or whatever, whatever balance you like. And it, it would actually be really interesting because it allow you to play like. Now, it would be really OP with Lightning Blast, but you're also using a two-handed spear, so I think that it's okay for the fact that it would be OP with Lightning Blast and Fireball because of the fact that you're using a spear and maybe make it so that the spear doesn't have that much damage on it, so you're forced to use, like, an ailment build. You could do, like, Frostbite Lightning Blast or, like, Ignite Fireball, and... Like, and that would make it way more balanced than what it was. And since it's a weapon, you can, like, ignite chance on the suffix or shock chance or whatever else you can get for ailments. You have you have taken this ball and ran so far with it. This is, <laughs> uh, like, above and beyond award. Having the Rat City cloning item shooting your and stuff. At the call, oh, call what the a good idea. You, I love when it. When you hover over them, just call them rat guys or something. Rat clones. You can give them names. Like, a, like, yeah. like your minions have like those flavorful names. Yeah. And and have one of them just called rat or something. <laughs> like a random one. That'd I will great. say my idea is not nearly as in-depth as that. I wonder if you've thought about this ahead of time. But so I, whenever I've been thinking about this theory crafted, you know, community unique item, I've been looking at base types and the thing that appeals to me most for a two-handed spear is we have a spear that has like, it's got physical penetration and fire penetration. So fizz pen is hard to use if you're playing a mage build or at least any kind of typical mage build because I guess this mage sword stuff, it's all like elemental. There's no fizz, there's no necrotic, there's not really void damage support, anything like that. But you could make use of like a two-handed unique spear with like fire stuff. You could have fire conversion, fire static orb, fire lightning blast, fire something along those lines. And honestly, what I would like to do with this is something that I mentioned way back at the beginning of this podcast when we were talking about Lich's Scorn. So you mentioned Lich's Scorn. You could take off the word Dread Shade from the last line of text mm-hmm. and say like you get cold penetration for your minions per point of intelligence. And that opens up this item to have like a back door to be used as a different class. Maybe a Primos, maybe a Stormcrow. I hope that this community design unique item has a back door into being used somewhere else. And one place where I could see a two-handed spear with elemental and fire penetration, you could try, maybe, to use this on Ascendant. So if yeah. I have any say in this, I would love to see like a two-handed spear with like fire damage or maybe Ellie dot on it, something that has like some some backdoor utilization as a 
holy trail javelin. I mean, sentence. just make it so all your damage is converted to fire or something, and then like done. Then you use it that's on it. holy trail. You'd use it on holy trail because like like what Arborist is saying, like they would all be fire damage, and they can scale with fire damage, yada yada yada, and you don't have this. And then you have your implicit scaling. fire penetration. Done. I guess you'd have to make your spells deal fire damage. That would be like the. Like, turn all your adaptive damage into just fire damage or something like that. Like, they'd have to, like, be really specific. Or just make it so that it just has a bunch of flat fire on it. Like, flat sure. spell damage. Flat yeah. fire spell damage. And then you can force it, like, with, like, the Forbidden Night Swords. The Forbidden Night Swords, of course, give you flat void damage to spells instead of adaptive. Yeah. And allow so, you to play those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. We, we were actually talking recently about trying to use... Um, what is it called frozen ire the one-handed unique scepter and that thing has like a cold damage to spells implicit and also a cold damage to spells explicit and even even if you're not using a spell that has a cold tag on it you can just put all of your adapt or sorry put all of your flat damage as cold and it's going to have like you know five or ten percent of its base type but the majority is going to be cold because that's what you're putting onto it so you could make like a cold damage devouring orb if you really wanted to I don't mind it. I think I think there's stuff to be explored right I like now. this comment on the forum post. It's for some reason, I feel like these community votes are a bad idea. At this point, it just seems like everyone is troll voting. What? I, <laughs> the, I, the Rat City uh, one. Daggers in my City. heart? You think I'm trolling? Get out of here. No, no, no. I think it's the I think it's the the, the Rat City one. It's like, <laughs> oh, you didn't get what you wanted. Last time, we're just going to troll and make it the Lost Refuge, Rat City, baby. I I don't want Tri-Elemental. We have a Tri-Elemental unique. It's like... Yeah. It's, and it's... Just make that one good. No. <laughs> you know? Like, just make that one good. And the amalgamation of different monster parts, that's not very magey. But, like, at the same time, we have uniques that, like, break stereotypes. We already have a Void Mage item with the Fire Aura mm -hmm. stuff. Fire Aura just needs to become a skill again. Like, become a skill that's usable. Lagan unique i'm like we, i don't we know have I, one. we I've have a twin that's to, with adaptive damage on it yeah i guess i've died oh yeah we have the sword but then they would need to make i mean the sword has been used a few times specifically with like vo like the void cleave you can use it with ravaging order sure yeah but i don't know outside of that like i do agree that it kind of sucks for like spell blades so like that's a that's a good example of like yeah, like all like that one specifically they could fix. Like the void one, like you just need to make fire ores into something usable again. Like then, I like, said before, as long as this community design unique item, as long as it's something that is remotely usable and isn't yeah, just it's a garbage success. as long as it's, it's not garbage that stays on the ground, as long as I'm not just vendoring it for five hundred gold, if it has any use at all, awesome. I'll be impressed. <laughs> like the thing is as well as like the thing I'm happy about, which I told you before we started, was the Osprics, they're, they're at the bottom. And it confirms my belief that everyone hates Osprixes because they're such a pain in the butt in the Monolith <laughs> of Fate. And I'm happy I don't, I don't that want they're any, getting dumpster. I don't want any new player thinking that Osprics are cool and unique. No, they're garbage. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're dumped. <laughs> I, I, I like the fact they just got completely dumped on because I All hate right. them in Monoliths. <laughs> And we're we're a little bit over an hour at this point, but I, I want to sneak in one conversation topic. Is that okay with you? Yeah, that's fine. Right, let's, let's let's do one more thing real quick. So I saw a video go up very recently, like last 24 hours or so. And this is from somebody in the last Epoch community. He's a community tester. You just put this thing up on YouTube. And it's kind of long. 
I'll admit I watched it at 1.75 speed. But you watch everything you, though like that though. I watch myself fair. at one point. I don't want to listen to myself, but <laughs> all right. So this this is a video that came up from McFluffin. This is Lone Star McFluffin. If you've seen him on Twitch or on YouTube. And he just put up a video recently. Thank you for linking that in chat. I appreciate it. This is a video talking about dungeons and his opinion of what dungeons have succeeded with and what they haven't succeeded with. So McFluffin, for context, he is a community tester. He's been doing this game for a long time, and he's given some feedback about the dungeons themselves and what they mean to him as someone who's been around basically since the very beginning. So have you, you watched this video, right? Uh, yeah, I've watched half of it. I wasn't able to watch the rest, but I, so, I got the general idea of it. I've, I've got like two or three things that I want to sneak in as we chat about this, because I think it's a really worthwhile video. And I would mm -hmm. encourage you either on Spotify or on YouTube, if you're watching this in Twitch chat right now, pull I'll that video sure up. I'll make sure to link it on the video. Yeah, pull, pull that video up and watch it later. I think it's a good one for you. So what, what do you think about that video so far? What are your thoughts? My thought of the video, I like most of it. The only thing that I... Um, I have any kind of sort of like disagreement sort of say is in the video. He specifically stated that there's nothing like this in other air, like in RPGs. So he's going to compare them to like a dungeon MMO, like a dungeon, like dungeon in an MMORPG. But that's not technically the case because like the dungeons, they're heavily influenced from the labyrinth system from Path of Exile. Now, if you've played Path of Exile and you played it enough, you hate labyrinth. So maybe that's not a good thing. Maybe that's not, you know. But what makes the Labyrinth fun to run in Path of Exile? So debatably nothing, but I'm with you so far. Wait, I've Labyrinth before. I know I'm one of the few. The problem right now is, is in Labyrinth, you know, Path of Exile, when you run the Labyrinth as a character, because every character has to run through it to get their ascendancy, right? Unless you're trolling. And you go through it, and it's kind of just a meh experience. It's not, like, hard, like, not too hard. It's annoying if you die to a trap, kind of like our stuff, like, stuff like that. But then when you make a build that is focused on farming the lab, like a speedy build or a super tanky build, a build that kills, you know, uh, Izaro in, like, a second... And then, like, you just run through the labyrinth. Then it becomes fun because you feel rewarded for building around this dungeon and dominating the dungeon. Like, you feel powerful. Like, that's what we play RPGs for. And that's the point, right? You're supposed to make a build focused on farming the lab to make it feel good. And you make plenty of money. Like, in chance, in chance, they, they make money. Like, they're, like they're, they're a very quick way of getting rich. And Path of Exile. And the problem is we don't have that in Last Epoch, right? Like We don't have I'm a way to build around the mechanics, you mean? Yeah, well, yeah. Like, well, I mean, they do, like, you know, Jurla turning legendary items, yada, 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 getting legendary items. And with, like, the Soulfire Bastion, like McFluffin stated in the video, you can get really good items from it if you really try hard enough. And then, of course, the Arbor Dungeon, you can, you know, spend gold. And that's a whole different to topic, which I'll get on later. But, like, you're supposed to be making builds that farm these things. And the problem is there's no point in doing that right now because there's no trade. There's, like, for instance, if I drop, like, this amazing 3LP, like, 
foot of the mountain or peak of the mountain or whatever, right? If I'm not directly using it, it's trash out the window. It's like SSFPOE, you know? It's like you drop like a death's rush, death's door, I think, the boots that make you immune to bleed, right? Mm -hmm. You drop that in SSF and you're playing SSF and you're playing a build that can't use them, you just throw them out the door. But like if you're playing a lab runner and you drop a death storm, I'm like, ooh, GG, an extra X, or at least depending. I don't know how expensive they are. I know like back in the day, like so you, you uh, think, whatever. You think that just having a multiplayer economy is going to solve some of the issues of like yeah. why are you going to run these? Because it's over like, over? why are we running these dungeons over and over again to get loot, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is the loot that in those dungeons aren't necessarily what most people want. Right, because right now, if you're playing like, let's say you're playing a build that doesn't use any of the Jirla uniques at all for some reason, like right? you're not playing with it, yada, 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 you have no reason to farm Jirla outside of getting the legendaries, which is fine. And you don't mind going like, you don't mind doing a T4 Jirla if you're anticipating to slam something to a legendary, right? It's actually an exciting experience, like the, the rush, like you know, the, the anticipation of slamming that item, right? That's fine. The problem is, outside of that, you have no reason to run them currently because, like, you can't just, like, I can't run T4 Jirla, get a bunch of stuff to sell, sell it, and then buy things for my build. Mm -hmm. I can't do that right now, so there's no reason to farm it outside of that, and that's the problem is we don't have trade in any sort of way. We don't have way of offloading these good items, and that's the difference between the Labyrinth from Path of Exile, and the dungeons from LE, which are pretty much the same system. If you look at it, it's literally the same feeling. It, heck, it's like very, very close if you look into it more. And I don't have anyone to sell enchants for, like in Last Epoch. Like if I get like a really good item or enchant or whatever, I don't have anyone to sell it to. So it, the only reason I'm doing it is for myself. And in SSF, specifically for Path of Exile, you don't do Labyrinth. Like, unless if you need something from it, right? You might run it, but, like, to get one helm enchant one yeah. time. Well, no, it's gotten a lot better because they have, like, a choice of enchants now. Like, you get, like, a oh, choice yeah. of four. It's That's way true. better. Like, you can actually self-farm your own enchant now if you spend enough time. But the thing is, that doesn't exist in Last Epoch right now. You run the dungeons because you want, like, uh, three, like, you want, it's the same thing as a boss in the monolith. It's the same exact thing. You do the boss for the unique... And you just run it for that unique. And if I don't need a Vessel of Strife, like a 1LP Vessel of Strife with the roll I want, I'm not going to farm T4 Jirla. It's not going to be enjoyable for me to do it. But if the candy is there, like the, you know, like the candy in front of me, the carrot on the stick isn't in front of me, then of course it's going to feel like trash. So and you, you want to like hold off on making too much of a judgment on these things before multiplayer comes out. Is that what you're saying? Well, I think there are things that, like, he brings up in the video that should be talked about, specifically the obsession of placing doors everywhere. I think it's a good idea in the Jirla dungeon because you can press D and go through the door most of the time. Or, you know, you could just, you know, use a movement skill to get through it right now. Don't tell Yichi. Uh But, uh... But, like, in the other dungeons, like the Arbor dungeon, when you get stopped by a roadblock, that doesn't feel engaging, you know? Like, the difficulty of the dungeon is supposed to be the enemies you fight and how you have to be right on top of the enemy to kill them. And if they're in the darkness hitting you, you're going to die, right? That's I'm, the difficulty. I'm playing, I'm playing an action RPG. Like, I... Yeah. Any, any... This isn't tiny, Ice League, you know? Any, any tiny bit of disturbance for me killing monsters is enough. Like, yeah. and it's like a, like a tiny, like, oh, like this door is here. I'm going to go this way instead. 
That's enough. That I don't need any yeah. more you know, like like complicated mechanics in my game than just that. Because really, just any any little bit like that goes a long way. Yeah. And I think that Soulfire Bashing specifically is a good example of how they do this. And I really like the Soulfire Bashing, but I can understand why a lot of people don't like the Soulfire Bashing because of the mechanic of the D pressing the button to, you know, change your shield. And there are a lot of situations where that does suck. Like, for instance, you're getting attacked by a, you know, a fire golem off the mm-hmm. screen and you get attacked by the other one, like the mint green golem, like it, it's annoying. But what people I've seen every single time anyone talks about the soul fire passion, they never bring up the worst part of it, like at all. So Go if you on. do not know this, uh, Perry, I'm sure you do, but in the soul fire bastion dungeon, there is the mint green golems, the siege golems, right? And when they sit down, they do their attack and mm-hmm. they have the AOE. What if I told you they're not the only enemies with that AOE? Go on. You know the flying guys? Like the guys, like the flying things that look like the Covenant of Minions, but they're necrotic? Okay. They have the same attack. They do. They can shoot up in the air, and then it's the same animation with, like, the circle. Now, if you're fighting the Mint Green Golem, right, and you, like... And you just see, like, a when you kill the golem and then you see, like, an extra AoE for no reason, it's because of those little, the winged winged fire guys. I can't remember their name. But that, by far, I think is the worst thing about the Soulfire Bastion because you kill this mint green golem, right? Like, oh, you're good to go. Let me swap my shield. Let's go. And then you get nuked out of nowhere because of the little fire guy. Because not only... Are they hard to see on the background? Like the mint green golem and the red golem, they're cool because they're big. You can see them. They hold their weight around and you don't big agree with encounter them. a bunch of them, right? But then like the little guys, they come, they, there's a lot of them and you can't see them and they do the same amount of damage as the big mint green golems. So you want, you want more visual clarity and like maybe, yeah. maybe like distinct visuals for each one. Well, yeah, I just don't think it should have the mint green golem attack at all. Like, I think the mint green golem attack right. should ha- be the mint green golem, you know? <laughs> Fair enough. Listen, but before we close out on this, I want to I wanna piggyback just a little bit. So you were mentioning that you don't like the comparison of dungeons in the last epoch to Valside areas. You'd rather compare it to um, to the Labyrinth of Fate in, uh, in yeah. Path of Exile. And I yeah. want to piggyback just a tiny bit. So one of the complaints that McFluffin had is that you don't... Um, you can't affect the reward of the dungeon by doing the dungeon. So you don't get extra uniques from, from Julra by killing things. You like the doors affect her, but like you don't get more like the monsters you kill are the monsters you kill and they don't affect the boss fight and they don't affect the loot after the boss fight. So the soul fire bastion is the only exception to that, which is to say you want to kill as many monsters as possible in the dungeon. So you get all the little currency so that you can gamble more with the soul fire gambler guy. So, it's it's funny that you mentioned the comparison to the labyrinth. Of labyrinth Fate. because labyrinth has because you that get gold mechanic. keys and that's yeah. a huge difference, right? You can beeline it through and get the bare minimum, and the bare minimum is your your ascendancy. You get like one gold key at the very end if you skip the mechanics. And your enchant, and then you get your enchant, right? But if you want to, you can also get this box and 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 this box, or yeah. you can just have the bare minimum through. So, I, I, something about that feels like. It would properly reward you for, you know, killing monsters, I guess. 
Yes. It's yeah. this weird thing. Like, it's an action RPG. It's all about killing well, monsters. Jirla like, is a lot less bad than the Arbor Dungeon because, like, Jirla actually, like, you can actually farm a lot of good uniques in a Jirla zone if you you be You can, good you can farm it. a bunch of exalted items in the yeah, first and floor and the second floor based on the But that doesn't like, matter for the boss. Like, the boss exactly, doesn't care Exactly. That's that. it right yeah. there. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So maybe maybe there should be more of a connection. Maybe the loot should be at the end. Maybe something could change there. Well, yeah. maybe just make it so that the more, like, make it instead of making it where the mobs in the dungeon, they drop the exalt items. Just make it so instead the door says the more mobs you kill in this zone, make Jirla drop more exalted items. It, it kind of that feels type. like stability, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like the Soulfire Bastion thing where you get, you know, yada, yada, yada. And the Arbor Dungeon, like we've talked about this at length, but really the biggest problem with the Arbor Dungeon is the gold thing. And I think if you could just farm gold or the more like something like that, I don't know. Like for maybe, instance, maybe, maybe like the more monsters you kill, the more doors you're allowed to open at the yeah. end. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's... I mean, with the Arbor Dungeon, you could just make it so that right before the end, like to make the boss drop a bunch of gold and make that gold be variable based on what you kill before that. Right. And then you yeah, get like a little bit it. of a surplus, hmm. you know, a little bit more, obviously you can't make it too OP, but make it so that like I can put an Arbor dungeon key in my thing, not have any gold and leave the end with an actually halfway decent chess room instead of like, you know, like, I'm doing this for no reason. Like, I might yeah. as well not even do the chess I, room. I hear what you're saying. So I want to remind, like, I guess myself and also the people here who are watching live, anytime that we're talking about these kind of design issues that we have with, you know, Last Epoch or any other game, it's always very easy to look at a game that we're playing and point out things that we don't like. It's much more difficult to actually propose good solutions to it. Yeah. So it's, it's fun to sit here and go back and forth about, like, maybe they do this, maybe they do this, but... You know, giving feedback like this, it's the same kind of thing as like, you know, I mean, I come from the corporate world and I used to work in like user experience. It's really easy to point at something and say, like, I don't like how this menu works. Like, I don't know what the right answer is. All I can tell you is that me as a user, something here doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like I'm being <laughs> rewarded. doesn't feel like this is happening the right way. And we can brainstorm. We can go back and forth. But yeah, I don't know what the right answer is. All I know is something here doesn't work. And for the most part, I think McFlothin's video that we've been talking about for the last couple of minutes, I think it does a lot of good to highlight what issues we see right now. Yeah. And like, to be fair, in my opinion, I like the dungeons. Like, I actually like the dungeons. I know a lot of people don't like the dungeons. The problem with the dungeons, like I said before, like my problem with the dungeons is like, I don't just go and do the Soulfire Bastion every so often. I go do it when I need it. When I need, like, let's say I need an exalted belt for, like, my 2LP, like, you know, uh, Viper, wait, Viper Tail? Yeah, Viper Tail. Let's say I, I need an exalted belt for my 2LP Viper Tail, like a good one. I'm going to go farm Soulfire Bastion for that. And not many people get into that situation because right now with Last Epoch, since there's no goal, like, like, in, like you said, in SFP Wii, you don't do the Labyrinth. Just because you want to go do the labyrinth, you do the labyrinth because I need this enchant for my build or, you know, yada, yada, yada. You don't just go do it and then open the chest. Those are just more of a side thing, right? And that's the oh. problem with the dungeons is like, if I do not need exalted belts, gloves, boots, 
or like I need like a multi LP weapon and I'm trying to target farm it or like if, if I don't need the Soulfire Bastion then simply put I don't need the Soulfire Bastion so I'm going to completely ignore it and then those keys just rack up my inventory and then the Arbor is even worse than the Soulfire Bastion in that regard because the Arbor just is completely worthless until you have the gold <laughs> to use it right and it's like I, you just I ignore hear what it you're saying, yeah. as soon as you yeah. run out of gold it's like well I guess I won't run this for a while yeah, it's like, I'm just never going to touch it, and there's going to be, like, 60 Arbor Keys in my inventory that I'm never going to get rid of because they don't actually cost anything. <laughs> well, I think I think with that, we got... Uh, our first topic was AFK builds, numlocking stuff. We talked about starter builds versus high investment builds and where the floor and ceiling are on building percent increased damage. We talked about theory crafting for the new Rat City Spear that we're hopefully <laughs> going to get for the mage. And we talked also a little bit about dungeons and what we do and don't like, uh, specifically talking about Lone Star McFluffin's video that just went up on YouTube, which I'm going to encourage you to watch. And, and I'm going to link in the video as well. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to encourage you to like finish watching it because I know you, you didn't quite get to the entire thing. Yeah. So that's going to be it for our episode here. Reminder, this does go up on both Spotify and YouTube. So there'll be a separate YouTube playlist on Dred's YouTube channel. That'll be in chat if you type in exclamation point podcast right now. And then on Spotify or wherever you're listening to podcasts, remember, if you are watching this on a podcast application, just leave a comment there. Let us know where you're watching this content, and we'll be sure to make sure that things are working the way they're supposed to. There's no technical issues for you. So with that said, that's been uh, Epic Epoch episode number five. Dread, thank you so much for joining me. Of course, anytime. And then for both of us here, uh, have a good night. Thanks for being here.